lights, camera, philosophy. It's the Philosophy Talk Movie Show. The first annual Dionysus Awards. And the nominees are, for Best Moral Dilemma, The Reader. I have a piece of information concerning one of the defendants. You don't need me to tell you. It's perfectly clear. You have a moral obligation to disclose it to the court. For Best Epistemological Thriller, Doubt. You have the slightest proof of anything. But I have my certainty. For Most Intricate Moral Maze, The Dark Knight. The only sensible way to live in this world is without rules. And tonight you're going to break your one rule. Join us as we explore the most philosophically interesting movies of the year. Philosophy Talks, first annual Dionysus Awards. Awards, they do nothing but give out awards. I can't believe it. The Movie Show, coming up on Philosophy Talk, after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Everything except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Today, it's our first annual Dionysus Awards show. The Dionysus Award will be given annually to the most philosophically interesting movies of the year. And also, whenever we feel like it, to philosophically notable movies from the past. <laughs> Does the world really need another movie award? I mean, we've already got the Oscars, the Golden Globe Awards, the National Society of Film Critic Awards, the People's Choice Awards, and many, many more. So, really, what's the point of another one? Well, this one will be absolutely unique in the annals of, of film awards, Ken, because you and I get to decide who wins the awards. For another thing, it's just plain fun to look at movies through the lens of philosophy. Plus, until now, nobody has officially applauded movies for their philosophical merits. Our award, who knows, might motivate uh, Warner Brothers and the rest of the great filmmakers to produce more philosophically interesting movies. Don't hold your breath on that one. Besides, what would you rather display on your mantle? An award named after the Greek god of wine, revelry, and theater? Or an award named after some guy named Oscar who nobody even remembers. Well, that, you got a point there. So look, we better explain what we're up to, what we're looking for when we're handing out these Dionysus Awards. What makes a movie philosophically interesting? Well, I, I can't give you a precise definition, but I could give you a lot of examples. Here's one. Lifeboat, released in 1944 at the height of World War II. It was the result of a somewhat dicey collaboration between two greats, Alfred Hitchcock, who directed it, and John Steinbeck, who wrote the first draft of the script, but later disowned the movie entirely. Yeah, life, I, I love Lifeboat. That's a pretty grim story, though. It's this, it's a story about this motley collection of people who, who they're from all different walks of life. They, they find themselves together on a lifeboat after the freighter they were all on gets torpedoed by a German uh, submarine. I mean, they're stuck out in the middle of nowhere in this little lifeboat with no rescue in sight. And then, uh, later on in the movie, they take on the ger the captain of the German sub, too. And, and the movie's kind of about the, well, very complicated group dynamics among this motley crew. Looks like they're all going to die out there for a while. Then, once the Nazi's on board, he takes over and, and things get better at first, but it's gradually revealed that he has a hidden agenda. Eventually, the others band together to overcome the Nazi captain. Sounds like a gripping enough yarn, John, but what's, uh, what's philosophically interesting about it? The film has many layers of meaning. On the surface, it's sort of an adventure survival story. Particular people put to many tests, discover many surprising things about what they can and can't do. But at a deeper level, it's social and political allegory. It's about the nature of class struggle, racism, and ultimately 
about the then ongoing life and death struggle between democracy and fascism. It's about the horrible moral toll that war takes on us, even when it's justified and necessary. Well, the justified and necessary part, that's what got Steinbeck ticked off. He thought uh, Hitchcock made a pro-war film, and he had written originally an anti-war script, so that is a, it's a very complicated movie. I, I think you've hit on one of the hallmarks of a philosophically rich movie. It's They often have many layers of meaning that you can sort of uh, unpeel layer by layer with the aid of a, of a little philosophy. And in, in my own favorite, my, one of my own all-time favorites uh, in that connection is Memento, which is written and directed by Christopher Nolan. I think Nolan's one of the most intellectually ambitious uh, filmmakers alive today. We did a segment on Memento, Ken, on this program a few years ago, you remember. It, it's a great flick, uh, very much worth examining through the lens of philosophy. Well, you know, the one thing, though, there's not much surface of, about Memento. It's not much surface meaning. You're kind of thrown into the depths right away from, from the very first scene. That's because it's, it's got this really dizzying narrative structure. It's got two stories, right, two interlocking stories about the same character, one that unfolds forward in time and is shown in black and white, and then the, another one that unfolds backwards in time and is shown in color, so it's constantly flipping between these two narratives. And, and, and it's kind of very dizzying right up to the time when the two narratives merge and, and then are both in color. Memento is the story of Lenny, a man who endures a severe head trauma during an attack that leaves his wife dead. The trauma leaves him incapable of forming long-term memories. He's trying to crack, track down his wife's killer, but he can't remember anything for more than a short time. He has to use a series of external memory aids, notes, photographs, and tattoos to record information about himself and others, including his wife's killer. And, you know, and because he can't form long-term memories, he can't ever remember what these external aids are all about. And the viewers put in the pretty much the same situation. We don't know what all this stuff is about either, and we kind of have to piece it together bit by bit as the two narratives gradually unfold. Both Lenny and the audience are engaged in a desperate struggle to make sense of Lenny, his situation, and his actions. It's quite a philosophically profound movie that digs deeply in philosophical themes about memory, perception, and the self. I like to use it when I'm talking about Wittgenstein and his private language argument. You could how sunk we'd be without memory and other people yeah, to help us. Definitely. You could use it with, in lots of different contexts. Memento's a great movie. Lifeboat's a great movie. And, you know, we'll have to see if the movies from last year, from 2008, if any of them measure up to the high standards set by these two philosophical grades. In a bit, Ken and I will be announcing our 2008 Dionysus award winners. But unlike your average award show, we're eager to accept spontaneous suggestions right during the show from the floor, that is, our listeners. So join the fun by calling 1-800-525-9917. 1-800-525-9917. But first, our roving philosophical reporter, Rena Palta, went in search of philosophical reactions to one of this year's most highly acclaimed movies. She files this report. At theaters around the country, and certainly around the San Francisco Bay Area, moviegoers are turning up for the same thing. Hi, can I get two for Slumdog Millionaire? It's gonna be $20. Slumdog Millionaire is a story about Jamal, a teenager from the slums of Mumbai who somehow becomes a contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? It's getting hot in here. <laughs> are you nervous? What? <laughs> Am I nervous? It's you who's in the hot seat, my friend. Originally something of a sleeper film, Slumdog has been nominated for 10 Academy Awards. Critics love it, audiences love it, but for our purposes, one question remains about the movie. Is this a philosophical film? Wow. Um, That's deep. Well, there's, there's the question of destiny, which I don't know if that's philosophical or <laughs> not. Uh... Fate or luck. 
Well, I think uh, the romantics will go with fate, won't they? That's luck, but at the same time, it's, it's almost like Calvinist predestination. You know, you have both facets of it there. He's, he's destined for it in a way, but at the same time, he has to be himself and act in a way that, that brings him brings him to that destiny. These are absolutely philosophical things. So you have the good and the bad, right? The brothers who are divided between them. Some moviegoers noticed philosophical themes from the movie in their own lives. I also had a falling out with my brother, so my brother recently um, sort of bottomed out and realized that he had been pushing everyone away from himself and has sort of sought redemption. Forgiveness and, and, you know, do you forgive, do you not forgive, and is someone going to be um, worried and, or caring for someone just because they're a blood relative or even though that they've betrayed them. The things that make good drama are the same things that make a life, where you have plot points that are good and bad. And, you know, most people don't understand that they are living out the Aristotelian plot curve all the time. So what does Slumdog Millionaire teach us about what we think we know about ourselves? The movie is sort of a, is a commentary on the way in which assumptions about what being a genius means, having a, a collection of relatively useless facts at your command or at your disposal, for, in, in this case for the purpose of winning money, and um, versus knowledge being about uh, self-knowledge. And I think there are a lot of knowledgeable and intelligent people in the world who constantly struggle to find that true knowledge of what will complete them and what will make them happy. What it takes for love and for happiness and for success. And that's a, the great thing about stories and films like this when it's universal and it plays into our hearts and our minds. Film really is the closest to the poetics. And the purpose of the poetics is to help people be able to stand back and look at the major conflicts of their lives in a way that they could tolerate it. The quest for self-knowledge, philosophy in itself, is what draws us to film. But maybe there's one other thing we get out of the movie-going experience. Well, popcorn, it is movie theater. <laughs> for Philosophy Talk, I'm Rena Palta. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.